The reading this morning is taken from uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 31 to 42. If you're following it in the Church Bibles, it's on page 69. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. And also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now, the length of time the Egyptian people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. از تو قومی بزرگ پدید خواهم آورد و تو را برکت خواهم داد. نام تو را بزرگ خواهم ساخت و تو برکت خواهی یافت. برکت خواهم داد به کسانی که تو را برکت دهند و لعنت خواهم کرد کسی را که تو را لعنت کند و همه توایف زمین به واسطه تو برکت خواهند یافت. We're in a story, 
And we ended last week with confusion because people couldn't understand what was being said. Like that. We began with the story of creation, how God created the world. And little by little, though, rebellion was built in and grew. And we ended with that story of Babel. Babel. It's all about not understanding, being confused, God scattering people. And then out of that confusion, God starts to plant something new. And it doesn't begin with a great big gesture. It begins with one small thing. God calls one man. Now, it's really interesting that in the story of Babel, the name Babel, Babel, probably refers to Babylon, the heart of the Mesopotamian world. But it tells us in that story that they were wanting to make a name for themselves. And it's really interesting how as we then begin this extraordinary story of God redeeming people and beginning a new work, it's all about names. But these are not people looking for a name for themselves. These are people given a name by God. And the first person is a man called Abram. And lest we think that he was some great person because he's now become this sort of great figure of all three monotheistic religions. But at the time, that wasn't at all the case. Abram came from Ur, which was the center of civilization. It was the center of the Mesopotamian civilization. It wasn't far from Babylon, Babel. That's where he came from. His father, Terah, was probably polytheistic. How much did Abram know of God? We don't know. But we do know that he was in a fragile situation. We know that his father had set off with him from Ur in order to go to Canaan following the Fertile Crescent. But they had stopped halfway in Haran. So it was a time of unrealized dreams and disappointment. We're also told in the text in... Genesis chapter 11, that in Haran, Terah, his father, died. It's a time of grief. But perhaps much more than that, we're told in the text that Abraham is living with a burden of sadness because his wife, Sarai, cannot have children. Now, we have to understand in the culture of the time Having children was not just about creating a nuclear family. It was about economic security. And it was about spiritual posterity. That's why all the genealogies are so important. You give yourself meaning by giving what you have to your descendants. And so when we have someone who cannot in that culture have children, it's the end. It's not the... Something is blocked and it's made all the more poignant because Abram, the name, means exalted father. 
except he isn't. Friends, here's a broken man in a foreign country dealing with grief and a burden of sadness. And he is where God begins. It is with him that the story starts. God calls Abram. Isn't that incredible? God calls Abram, saying, leave your country. Go to the land that I will show you. And then God promises him something. Promises to bless him. Sepide, would you come up and read the same passage, but could you have grace to read it in English to us? This is the passage Sepide read just earlier. This is the promise from here. Just you read it in English, please. Okay, in English. Yeah, yeah, please. We need that. Okay. What does he I say? will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and uh, and whoever uh, curses you, it's good. Keep curses going. you, or you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can go down there. Well. Did you hear? Did you hear? I will make your name great. Did you hear that? That's a gift. Now, Abraham can't have children. You get it? This is faith, impossible faith. The extraordinary thing is that Abraham, Abram says yes to God. There's a most beautiful, one of the most beautiful passages in the whole of Scripture, which comes just after that one, verse 4. It just says this, So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Don't you love that? What battles there must have been in his mind beforehand. But he obeyed. And the Lord called Abraham as he calls each one of us and promised him life. Promised that he would be blessed and that he would be a blessing to the nations. That he would discover greatness, not because he's making a name for himself, but because through him God would redeem the world. And so Abraham is the beginning of an extraordinary story. As Abraham, as he will become, finds that Sarah miraculously can have a child, Isaac. And at that moment, Abraham's name is changed. From Abraham, he becomes Abraham, which means not exalted father, but father of many. So Isaac and Jacob, Joseph, little by little we, we hear the story of a, of, a, of, a, of a man that becomes a family. And through this family, God wants to bless the world. Now, the great thing is that this is an awful family. I mean, they are so dysfunctional. I mean, Joseph, remember the story of Joseph? He's sold into slavery by his own brothers. Or Jacob, who spends his life in, in, with sort of rivalry with his twin brother Esau. But Jacob, sort of slimy, weasley Jacob, 
who manages to get the birthright and the blessing from his dad by pretending to be his brother, Jacob also has his name changed and becomes Israel. And Joseph, out of the depths, is brought out and God raises him in Egypt to be one of the the great civil servants of the day. And in an extraordinary way, everything turns around because in Canaan where the descendants of Abraham, Jacob's children are, are, are settling, that they don't settle permanently. All the texts say at this stage they still consider themselves to be foreigners in that land because they're nomads. But they're faced with famine and and, and so they go to Egypt where they have food and they discover that actually the person giving them the food is their long-lost brother. And there's a beautiful moment at the end of Genesis where, where we discover that not only does God call, not only does God bless, but he redeems broken lives. Where in Genesis 50, Joseph turns to his brothers and he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good for the saving of many, many lives. Just an extraordinary start to an amazing story. How God builds a people for himself who will be the means by which many will be saved and blessed. Of course, the best example of that is what happens next in Exodus. Do you remember? We jump a sort of 400-year gap and we discover that the people who, who, who came that the whole family came to Egypt with Joseph and they were blessed there. But over time, we're told that the Pharaoh who, who knew them uh, died and, and, and now the Pharaoh doesn't know them anymore. And what's happened? Well, these, this family, the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has grown. In fact, the text tells us, beginning of Exodus, Exodus chapter 2, that they have, they have been fruitful and have multiplied. Does that ring any bells? Of course, they've been faithful to the commission. Creation commission, be fruitful, multiply, except that it's threatening the Egyptians now. And so the Egyptians start squeezing them and start putting them to work and using them as economic fodder. And at the beginning of Exodus, we discover that this previously you know, free um, family now become a nation, are enslaved. And so God raises up another person Another man called, and his name is Moses. Now, here's the interesting thing. Moses is an Egyptian name because he'd been brought up in the Egyptian court. Great little story there. Actually brought up by his mum, pretending to be his wet nurse. But in the Egyptian court. Brought up as an Egyptian, and the Egyptian name Moses means son of. You may have heard in the, in the text that we had, it talks about them going from Ramses to Sukkot. Ramses, of course, is, is also the name of, of some of the Egyptian pharaohs. But the word Ramses in ancient Egyptian means, well, it's the same root as Moses, Ramses. It means son of Ra. Ra was the uh, Egyptian sun god, the greatest of all the Egyptian gods. So Ramses is the son of God. Moses is the son of question mark. In Egyptian, that, in ancient Egyptian, it just means son of. 
We don't know who's son of, but it's Egyptian. But of course, we really know that Moses' identity is not in his upbringing. It's not in, it's not in that Egyptian court context where he's grown. It's in his Hebrew origins. And so we're told in, in Exodus uh, chapter 2 that actually Moses in Hebrew has a different etymology. The word means drawn out of. Because at a time when Pharaoh was trying to get rid of the Hebrews by killing all the Hebrew children, the male children, God performs a miracle and rescues Moses as his mother places the basket in the, in the Nile to hide him. And, and then he's discovered by, by the daughter of the Pharaoh and he is drawn out of the water and rescued. And his name is therefore Moses drawn out of. And of course, Moses is going to be the one who draws the people out of slavery. Moses. His identity is not in Egypt. His identity is in the purposes of God. And so we discover that the same God that called Abraham in order to make a family who would reflect his purposes also calls Moses and then calls him as an adult. But this isn't the great Moses we've come to know. This is the failing Moses, because at the time when God calls Moses, he has just killed an Egyptian in anger. He's a broken man. Can you see the pattern? And God calls Moses in the desert, when Moses is a shepherd, He's actually fled his own people. He's ashamed. And God calls him, and Moses sees a burning bush, a bush that is burning but not consumed, and he wants to go closer. And Exodus chapter 3 is just a remarkable chapter where we discover that God is, is the God who reveals himself. He's not just the God who calls and the God who blesses, and the God who redeems, but he's the God who reveals himself. In Exodus chapter 3, we have this amazing sort of dialogue. It, sa it says this, when the, when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, saying, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Can you see the link? Same God. And then God says this, I am who I am. Chapter 3, verse 14. That's who I am. And God reveals himself to Moses with this extraordinary name. We, we say Yahweh, Yahweh now. But it's such a holy name that the Jews even today will not name it, will not mention it. And every time it's written in the Torah, they actually replace it with another word, Elohim, God. Or the name. But this is the name that he reveals himself to Moses by. In other words, he's actually showing us that, that the center of this amazing story is not Abraham. It's actually not Moses. It's the Lord. The one who calls. The one who blesses. 
the one who redeems a family, the one who reveals himself. And what, what, what's he going to do? Well, the promise that he says there to Moses is that he's going to deliver his people from slavery. He hears their cry. It's never God's intention that his people become slaves. He wants to redeem them, bring them out, free them. And so the whole of the first half of the book of Exodus is about precisely that, exiting Egypt. How God uses Moses to draw the people out of slavery into freedom. The first 18 chapters of Exodus are all about that. How through Moses, God brings plagues on the Egyptians. And so we get to this place in chapter 12 that we have read, and that's our reading for today. And it's an amazing chapter because it's a parody of the call of Abraham. Remember the call of Abraham? God said to Abraham, go, leave your people, and I will bless you. Now listen what happens here. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go, worship the Lord as you have requested, take your flocks and herds as you have said, and go, oh, and also bless me. Can you see that? It's about going, it's about blessing, but it's Pharaoh. But of course, behind that, we've actually got God. So yet again, God is calling his people to get up, to go, to leave. But this time, he's going to be the deliverer, the one who releases them from slavery in Egypt. And this moment of release, this moment where they leave their captivity and they step into freedom, which we call the Exodus, is going to become the grounding for the whole of the Old Testament. The whole of the Jewish understanding of themselves comes from the moment where they are freed from slavery. They're delivered. That is what they celebrate at Passover every year. The moment when God frees them from slavery and enables them to step into their promises. To step towards the promised land that he promised Abraham. In order to be able to live free. And so we have this extraordinary um, moment and encounter where God uses Moses. But of course, it is actually a, a double deliverance that God brings about when he does this exodus. He's bringing deliverance from outward things, deliverance from the Egyptians, yeah? That's the Israelites are delivered from the Egyptians, they're taken through the Red Sea and but it's also deliverance from inward things. They need to be delivered from themselves. And one person has said it took one night to free, to, to bring the um, Israelites out of Egypt. But it took an awful lot more time to take Egypt out of the Israelites. Because there was this double deliverance. It wasn't just taking them out of Egypt, it was taking them out of slavery to themselves. And freedom wasn't just freedom from the Egyptians, it was freedom to walk with God, to worship. Even Pharaoh saw that, freedom to worship God. Of course, the problem, and we know it very well, is that 
The people constantly turned away and worshipped other gods. Egypt was still there in their hearts. And so they were disbelieving. And here's the amazing thing. For the 40 years that they then had to spend in the desert in order for God to form them, form in them and and forge them and, and cleanse them, God is present, leading them, walking by their side. He's being the I am with them. And that is also the time where God, well, God enters into a sort of agreement with them. We call it a covenant. But actually, it's the sort of agreement that you enter into when you marry someone. You say, I'm yours and yours, you're mine. And the, the, the second half of Exodus and the whole of the book of Leviticus is actually all about That's what all the laws are about. It's about living as covenant people, living in relationship with God. How do we do it? The Ten Commandments and all the other commandments in in that context. It's it's like guidelines to, to live as a different people in the presence of God. The tabernacle is 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 built and and follows them wherever they go in the wilderness as as a symbol of God's presence with them. And and right at the heart of that, this extraordinary moment in Exodus 20 where where where, Israel, where Moses goes up the mountain, Mount Sinai, and he receives the law. Which in Hebrew, Torah means, means instruction, guidance. It's a way to live. Because God will not let his people go. He walks by their side. So we see in this whole episode of freedom brought to the people that God reveals himself in an an incredible way. God liberates the people and he walks with them. He leads them always forward towards the promised land. The first five books of the Bible are all about this. Exodus about, about about going out. Numbers takes you on from where Exodus finished. Going around in the desert, learning to be God's people, and then looking to the moment where we'll enter the promised land. But it's always for a purpose. And the purpose was given to to Abraham. Blessed so you can be a blessing. Given life so you can give life to the world. A light so you can be a light to the nations. That was always God's purpose. And so as he chooses Abraham and, as they, and Abraham's family grows and then he res- rescues them in Moses and then that, then that family escapes and then walks around. In, this is God's way of preparing his people. Now, let's just take a step back as we conclude because great story, but it's even greater when you look at it with the lenses of Jesus. Because in the New Testament... You know, Abraham becomes the archetype of faith, doesn't he? Remember that? Abraham is the one who believes. But here's the amazing thing, okay? In the Old Testament, to be a son of Abraham is to be born ethnically Jewish. But in Christ, all are in his family. All are called There's no Jew or Gentile, there's no rich, no poor, there's no old, no young. All who believe are called in to Abraham's family. 
And Abraham's promise is our promise. We can be blessed so we can bless. And he makes our name great, not for ourselves, but so we can reflect back God's name to the world. And in the New Testament, the story of freedom through the Exodus is an extraordinary story because it is reinterpreted through the cross of Jesus Christ. Time and again in the New Testament, we see that when Jesus died, it was an Exodus moment. It was a moment where suddenly through the cross of Christ, we can be freed, but not from the Egyptians, but from sin and everything that tangles us and ties us down from those things outside and those things inside. Double deliverance. And through the cross of Christ, we can be free. Not just so we can enjoy freedom, but so we can learn to live and walk as God's people. An image of God in the world. Can you see how the, how, how the Abraham story and then the Moses story, they find their fulfillment in the Jesus story? Everything opens up. Friends, we're called to be part of the story. We are part of that people called by name. And that freedom is ours so that we can follow the way and walk by the Spirit. Listen how one of the early church leaders, Peter, said, uh, described it in, in his first letter. 1 Peter 2. Just listen to these verses with Abraham and Moses in mind, okay? This is what he said. Uh, what he says, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In Christ, it all comes to fulfillment. Family, freedom. Called, delivered. So that we may declare the praises of him who called us out, drew us out, Moses, drawing the people out so that we might bless the world. What an amazing thing. So I just leave you with one thing. We've been called to be free. What do you need freeing from today? We've been called by name to leave things. What do you need to leave today? There are the questions. Abraham, go. Moses, go. Leave. Step out. Be free. What about us? God has got some really significant things for us. And it will not happen as we make a name for ourselves. 
happen as he takes us and leads us on. But we have to be ready to leave, to let go, to step out, to be free. Let's pray, shall we, just for a moment. Lord, we worship and praise you because uh, in this story you chose the weak and the fragile. Choosing Abraham at his lowest point. Choosing Moses. Giving them a name. Revealing yourself to them and calling them out. Lord, we open ourselves to you this morning. We long, Lord, for you to bless us so we can bless others. We're sorry that so often we try and make a name for ourselves. We thank you that it's all about you, Yahweh, the God who is, who is always there, present, redeeming, delivering, freeing. Lord, we step towards you today. 